start. Welcome to the first ever recording and episode of Black Girls Doing It. This is your co-host, Melissa Newton, and I am here with my homegirl, Gina. Gina <laughs> Loyacono. Uh, I hate my last name. It's like not, doesn't flow. I think doesn't. Gina Oh no. Gina Loyacono. <laughs> oh, it's like too long. <laughs> Melissa Newton, it's like a good radio name. I need like a new name. I need like a radio name. It's like so bland and generic, but also like, thank you, mom, because I get calls back on, uh, you know, those resumes that I put out there. Um, But yeah, Yeah, Sheena Loyacono's um, gets edited out of the ethnic pool. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. They've done so much research on it. You know, I was very, very close to being named Precious, though. Were you? Yes. You're my dad lucky. wanted to name me Precious, and my mom was like, no. That was a good call. <laughs> put that down. Yeah, although my mom, if I was going to be a boy, I was going to be like Elliot or Spencer because she wanted me to get my ass kicked. Elliot, that is definitely a get your ass kicked name. Yeah. Sorry to all the Elliots and Spencers <laughs> out there. Seriously. I'm sorry for the childhood <laughs> trauma that your name might have induced. <laughs> um, my, my aunt actually came up with my name. My mom wanted to name me Roxy, Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep and then as my aunt tells the story she ran in right before they signed the birth certificate said no 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 you can't name her that name her sheena because i don't know i don't know where she came up with it sheena easton maybe maybe i have no idea who that is but i like the name sheena it's very popular in like many different cultures though because isn't it kind of like a like a gaelic name but isn't also arabic and other it cool. is. Yeah. Um, it's Gaelic, but Sheena Easton is this gorgeous black woman who I'm going to show you a picture of. She was a pop star in like, I don't know when, but she's British. So there you go. It's like the sort of Gaelic name. Yeah. But I definitely know that it's, I think it is an Arabic name. And I've definitely met some um, Chinese women as well named Sheena, not spelled the way you spell it, obviously, but. Really? I didn't know that. And uh, when I was in Pakistan, there were some girls named Sheena, too, actually, which I was actually really surprised about. I didn't realize that it was a popular name over there. And did you know that, like, every other girl in the Bahamas is named Sheena? I mean, I guess like it's like Marie, like a like a British colony or something. Right. Don't at me, people who are listening to this, because I know geography. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. You know what? I said Sheena Easton, but I meant Sheila E. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> this is sheila e oh she's really pretty again podcaster and audio medium so if you're wondering <laughs> who sheila e is you can google her compared to this is sheena easton so i got those two women confused which oh. the other one's a redhead sheena, yeah, that is, that is <laughs> not who I, no i mean but not she, who I was thinking she looks pretty good though she's an actress she's you know she's looking at some no old she's pictures. definitely she's very pretty there. yeah but I think because my uncle used to call me Sheila E, that's why I was thinking oh. her and Sheena Easton were the same person. My uncle's all, my mother's brother. Just be like, you look like Sheila E. Cool. Never knew Probably that. because it was the only other, it was maybe the only reference he had for a 
half black woman. <laughs> I suppose, but I didn't know who Sheena Easton was, but she was in For Your Eyes Only. And more importantly, she played Sasha LaFleur in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Which is oh my God, that's one, one of my, of my favorite, favorite movies. movies. I cry oh. so much. So for anyone listening, if you show me an animal movie, I will cry. I don't care if it's sad, it's happy. I just really <laughs> like dogs. Like I watch Homer Bound and I sob uncontrollably. Like I know they make it home. I know they find <laughs> way home. But I'm all over and over the puppies are so lost. And I hope they find their family again. And like I know the outcome and I know the ending, but like like I'm actually getting period right now because I'm making it on it. And I'm gonna cry and I'm gonna be sad. And uh, you know what? I actually watched All Dogs Go to Heaven like a couple months ago I don't think I had seen it since I was probably like seven it's like not a movie for children no I mean like it is but it isn't there's a lot of like drug use like smoking and like profanity and like dogs they they, like murder each other like they like literally go to hell they go to hell yeah they go to doggy hell there is a doggy hell and like one dog like puts out a mob hit on the other one. It's like not for children. Like really? who came up with these storylines? It was like, this is perfect for children, for toddlers. Yeah, I feel like 90s cartoons <laughs> and movies and stuff for children were kind of messed up, but I love yeah, it. Yeah, like, right? Hopefully why I am the weirdo <laughs> I am today is because I watch. Seriously. Like- I, I was watching, there's one scene where, do you remember? So it's like the little orphan girl who's like basically being like held as a slave yeah. by a dog. <laughs> and the other dog rescues her and pretends he's like freeing her, but he's sort of using her too. Yeah. But they're part where they like open a bar or something and the dog gets like really drunk and it there he like mimics doing drugs off of the bar. And I was like, what? How was this acceptable? It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. 90s children are quite hearty and um I know, right? Very functional adults who definitely don't need therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Um, Not at not at all. Not at all. Oh. We didn't single-handedly make like therapists like the number one career in the U.S. It's so hard to find a good therapist nowadays because they're all taken. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I luckily like found my therapist in February, right before you know the the Rona happened to the world. Seriously. Um, well, actually, no, it started happening before. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. Um, but yeah, so I'm lucky that I found her because like I was looking online for other kind of therapists too. And like nobody, nobody's available. No, you're not going to find anybody now. There's nobody left. I'm sorry. Y'all can talk to me. I'm good at, at listening and giving my advice. Uh, so if you want to Venmo me like $75, I will listen to your problems. and provide- $75 for non-professional advice. Yes. You can get it for free on the internet, but I won't call you a <laughs> good solid advice from melissa i love it all right so should we get into our topic today yes yes we should what are we talking about sheena so today we are going to be talking about black hair in the workplace in america we'll probably go over the history a little bit for those listeners who are less acquainted with the topic personally and then kind of share our own stories and experiences with the whole situation as well. I know I have some stories about experiences I've had oh, in yeah. the workplace, and I'm sure you do too. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so a couple of really good books I've been reading lately 
on the topic just to kind of get back because it's one of those things where you think you know the history about something but then when you really look well when you read books about it it's crazy when you see I think one of the I actually think one of the biggest takeaways for me from reading so specifically one of the books that I read um which Melissa and I both definitely recommend. It's called Revised and Updated Hair Story, Untangling the Roots of Black Hair in America. It's by Ayanna D. Baird mm-hmm. um, and Lori L. Tharps. I hope I'm pronouncing those names correctly. But um, one of the most interesting things I think I took away from the book is how much Black culture has really enforced these societal standards on ourselves. Like how much mm-hmm. we assisted in perpetuating the stereotypes against ourselves you know, and really like holding up the the structure basically of racism, you know, and how so much of it, a lot of it even created by ourselves, like antebellum South, you know, slavery has just been abolished. Depending on where you are, it's either 1865 or 1867. You know, groups of freed Black people in the South who had some Caucasian ancestry you know, so sort of like light skinned, good hair, quote red unquote, bones. good hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had, they would have their own churches and mm-hmm. their own schools and their own organizations. And they would only marry each other and like talk to each other in their own social circle that they literally had a lot of churches. There would be a comb at the door. Mm-hmm. And if your hair couldn't go through, pass through the comb easily, you were literally not allowed in that church. Yeah. Also the paper bag test. When I was little, I thought the paper bag test was created by white people. It was actually created by black people. It was so created by black people. was darker than this paper bag. You weren't allowed into like the organization or whatever they were doing. And it's, it's really interesting. Well, not interesting. It's actually really awful. Um, it is. European standards of beauty that are pre- prevalent within the black community have been upheld by us for exactly. so long. And it's like this, like, intraracial bias but i also understand that it also comes from like mentality of survival too because you That's know true. whiteness is the 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 standard or you know what's seen as normal and what is you whatever you can get to be closer to that that standard i think for them it's it's a tiny bit of a shield you know yeah it allows you exactly access, more access to those those things that will make the quality of your life better Well, yeah, because if you want to go all the way back to the beginning of, you know, slaves being brought over from Africa to America, the slaves who got to have a little bit of education, have the hand-me-down clothes, eat the better food, live in the big house, were the slaves with the lighter skin and the less textured and curly hair. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I was actually reading at first it was simply because they were the offspring of the plantation owners. Mm-hmm. So they were like, well, they're my own children. So I guess I'll enslave them in the house instead of in the field. But then it became a standard of like, almost like, well, they're a little bit better. And then it became sort of in a totally ingrained system. These are the house slaves. These are the field slaves. Mm-hmm. So the point where, what is it called in this book? So I'm going back to hair story. They actually have a thing in here where it says, it said, at a slave auction, a slave owner would pay almost five times more for a house slave than a field slave, showing that they were also more valuable. So uh, a fancy girl is what they called them. 
would be sold for up to $5,000 versus $1,600. So they literally put a price mm-hmm. on lighter skin and said, this is more valuable to us, significantly more valuable to us. And when you say that to a group of people for generations in general, like how do you undo something like that? You don't, it becomes completely ingrained in our own communities, in our own ways of thinking and how we bring ourselves up and it gets passed down and down and down until it becomes, you know, things from the patriarchy and Christianity. Like I grew up with my grandmother telling me that like a woman's hair is her glory. You know, and just being trained that straight long hair that was, you know, closer to that of like European or whatever it was beautiful. And it was what was correct and what was acceptable. Yeah. You know, and how like, so I was told that like the hair and how it grew out of the top of my head was not okay, that it was somehow ugly, you know, and like, you know, even society pushes that on me that it's like seen as unkept unclean uh just a complete mystery to everyone else like I remember um being in middle school and this is you know when you're like 12 and you start to do your own hair yourself because my mom's like I'm, I'm done you're 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 grown now go do it oh yeah <laughs> and I remember it was like you know the after being going to the, the salon and it's like you know now time to wash it I remember I washed it and I blow dried it and I couldn't get it to be as straight and nice and pretty as it was when I came out of the salon and I like had a complete breakdown. I remember sobbing in front of my mirror because I didn't want to go to school because I was like, they're going to make fun of me. And I think that I'm weird, that I'm different. People are going to point at my hair and I'm like, just, you know, it's also a very awkward time being like a 12, 13 year old and dealing with all that, like, everything's dramatic when you're 12 like you know like no one ever gave me a frame of reference of how like you know my hair whether it's big and bushy or sleek and straight is beautiful as it is it was always just like long straight hair and like I remember like just all the praise I got as like a little child too because I have I guess what people in our community would describe as good hair so meaning closer to that of like hispanic or european texture i have a looser texture wave curl to my natural hair and it um does actually you know i guess like blow dry or straighten a lot more easily it's uh i guess passable accessible to some people which i hate i hate saying these words and i hate thinking about that but you know i know as a child and hearing that from you know my relatives and my relatives friends it made me feel so special and so prideful that like oh you know my hair is beautiful and then i moved to the white suburbs (laughs) and full stop (laughs) full full just so many So many issues cropped up from moving to, I think my hometown is like 96% white. Yeah. Mine's like a hundred. I was literally the only black girl in my middle school, high school. Like it was a small two, 300 kids to every grade. It was Mm -hmm. fairly small, but I was the only black person Mm -hmm. anywhere in sight. Do you know, I didn't even know that my hair was curly till I was 13. What? I didn't know my own hair was curly. I, you look at pictures of me. So for a little background for our audience, my father is black and my mother is white and I was raised by my white mother. So, well, my white mother and my white grandmother, my grandmother, you know, had a pretty, um, pretty big influence on my early life too. She helped raise me and she was a hairdresser. And Melissa, you look at pictures of me when I was like, 
one and a half two is when she started blow drying my hair straight <laughs> like blow out blow dry straight it was like so when I look back at I look at pictures of me as an infant and I have curly hair and then sometimes like my mom would just put it in a ponytail and it would look a little frizzy like it wasn't curly it was just like like brushed out curls basically mm-hmm. you know because my mom didn't really know what to do with my hair um but my grandmother was a hairdresser, so she would just blow it out. We lived with her when I was little, and then she lived with us um, once my parents bought a house. And it was like a couple times a week after my bath, I would go downstairs, sit in her laundry room, and she would blow dry my hair. And I just, it was like, that's the way it was. And you don't question stuff when you're a kid. It's like, that's what's happening, <laughs> you know? And I can remember, same as you, you know, I was like 12, 13, t- starting to do my own hair. And I think I took a shower and like, I think I read a magazine or something, probably like Cosmo or like 17 or something (laughs) like try doing this or whatever. And I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if I do that, if I could get a curl to my hair, lo and behold, there's my like, you know, three C curls just popping out. People thought I got a perm at school. My friends were like, that's not your hair. Did you get a perm? Like, why? They th- like, people thought I was lying. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're lying. You got a perm. And I was like, I didn't. This is my hair, actually. <laughs> but like, people didn't believe me because I ne- I hadn't even seen it curly. I mean, it's crazy when you think back to it. Um, but then I learned what a hair straightener was. And, you know, I was yep. I was a goner after that. And yep. then it was just bone yep. straight. Bone uh. straight. Did you get your hair hot combed when you were little? Yes. Oh, my God. It was so scary. So the thing with hot combs... I can't figure out if like, is that just a black thing? Um, because I, mean, I don't know any white people who have ever heard of a hot comb. I know one white person who was my um history teacher in high school, and this is how I guess she tried to bond with me. Um, is you know she told me that she's like, oh, I know what it's like to be burnt by a hot comb. My mom, she she's so she's Jewish, and she has like she had very oh okay. curly Jewish hair, and she's like, my mom on Sundays used to drag me to the black part of town, and I would get my hair pressed, <laughs> uh, you know, with a hot comb. And for our viewers who don't know what a hot comb is good for you <laughs> i'm happy for you i know so right glad. Um, seriously a hot comb is literally a a big ass metal comb very yep. heavy very intimidating looking to like a six-year-old child that for me my grandmother it used i think it was like made out of like cast iron i don't know what the fuck it was made out of they're made out of like yeah like cast iron or steel like they're something heavy like that. yeah and so she put it on the stove and light oh, the fire. Isn't even electric? No, not my grandmother's because she old as fuck. She put it on the stove. So she put it on the stove. And so, can you imagine as a child, like sitting in a chair, seeing this thing being heated up by fire, and then having it pressed against your head? Yeah, to your head, right in your hair, all in the name of passability for some white ass <laughs> bullshit sorry like i oh my uh, god yeah so it's scary they do make hot combs still nowadays that you can plug in and they work very <laughs> well um i still have a lot of ptsd so i do not use a hot comb. <laughs> Sarah, um, i so i mean probably is subject for a different topic like okay physically i know what the difference between a, a straightener and a hot comb is but are the results basically the same 
Um, if you use a hot comb versus a straightener. I guess kind of, maybe. I will say that like a hot comb does get it better, maybe a little bit. It like, does, we'll yeah. To, we'll have to talk to a hairdresser, but like I, I, I no, never again, never again. <laughs> oh, I want to go back to that place. I'm very upset. <laughs> I'm like upset. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, I never had any scary encounters with a hot comb when I was little. It was just a blow dryer. My grandma would just blow dry my hair for like an hour until it was bone straight. But like I said, I don't know if she even knew what hot comb was. I mean, she was a hairdresser, so I don't know. I'd actually be really curious to ask her and see if she knows what a hot comb is. <laughs> Who were, I mean, so what, how old were you when your mom started straightening your hair? I think I was like nine or 10 when I got my first relaxer. So like a chemical relaxer. I'm oh, sure wow. So many... You had like her chemically relaxed. Yeah. Too. So I know, I'm sure some people know what a perm is to like, you know, make it curly, but there's chemical relaxers that make your hair straight. And back in the day, like those things used to be made with lye. And I'm like, I think up until like the eighties, maybe even early nineties, like chemical relaxers contained lye. They were still putting lye in them I in do. the 90s? Yeah. So I like. That's wild. I remember like seeing like the boxes saying like lie free on oh them as, as a child. And so like I, again, I think due to like my, my hair texture, luckily, like I think I only got a perm maybe two or three times a year. Um, but I'm going to say in your life, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, a, a year, I got a chemical straighten, I think once. But it scared me. That actually, shit burns. It burned like hell, and I was like, never again. So you would get it like two or three times a year. Yeah. Um. Usual maintenance, like people would go back and get like their roots touched up, like every six weeks or so, like when there's new growth. That's so crazy. Um. Yeah. Well, I was read. So I read another. There was another book too. I don't know if you've read it. Um. You probably have. You You know Phoebe. Phoebe Robinson. Robinson right? Don't touch my hair and other I love things. Phoebe yeah. Robinson. <laughs> so yeah. I, I've read okay. that one too. It was really all right. Good so we're obviously both big Phoebe Robinson fans and uh, two Dope Queens podcast. What's up, girl? Um, remember, we went to back. see Phoebe Robinson together. Oh yeah, I totally forgot wow. about that. We went wow. to her comedy I show together. How much my friendship. <laughs> you. That's awesome. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, in her book, you so uh, for listeners, it's "You Can't Touch My Hair" by Phoebe Robinson. And other things I still have to explain. She talks about when she had to go to the salon. I think she said she faithfully went to the salon like every six weeks to get her hair relaxed when she was little. Mm -hmm. And then when she finally wanted to go natural, she had to like basically shave her head because her hair was just destroyed. Yeah. Which is a lot of things people don't talk about either is that these treatments and constantly blow drying our hair straight and, you know, manipulating it in all these ways that it's really just not meant to be manipulated destroys it it makes it brittle and thin and I mean people get bald spots from relaxers and it, it can just do so so much damage to your hair it does so much damage to your hair um I think um so I'm looking at a research paper that I wrote a while ago and <laughs> borrowing from Bird and Tharps and a few other authors here um you know 
after a while, you know, like a lot of African-Americans decided to try to recreate those European hairstyles and whatever that they, they saw as the beauty ideal using a lot of hazardous concoctions such as lye and potato starch, which effectively straightened their hair but left burns or could eat through the scalp. Um, you know, they used things such as axle grease, um, wrapping the hair with string and cloth and eel skin to try and stretch it. Um, so these these are things that like black people went through just to try and get by and you know try to achieve those beauty standards that were forced upon us it's amazing what you think about a black woman has to do when she gets out of bed in the morning to her hair just so she feels like she looks acceptable to white Mm -hmm. society versus basically every white friend that I've ever had or known who can literally roll out of bed and throw their hair in a bun and go to work and never have to question it Right. And it's like not even just like like one, it's trying to look acceptable or, you know, professional, but it's also like these are things that I know are going to give me like privilege and opportunity and access to things so that I become more favorable so that people don't look at me and like, oh, who's that black girl or, you know, automatically assign me like the, the role of like angry black woman. Yeah, You know, like some of these, like I think people really do associate hair texture and skin color, you know, the darker the skin complexion, the tighter the texture, the more like, oh, she's that angry black lady, you know, um, whereas like, you know, if your hair is straight and flowy and closer to that of white, white women, you get some of those like white lady characteristics ascribed to you of like, oh, she's gentle, she's sweet, she's capable, she's this, she's that, oh, she must have education and blah, 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 and so... You know, I think, and I think that's a lot of where that whole like creation of good hair, bad hair also came from in our community. Like if it's closer to that of like whiteness, Europeanness, you know, I think, you know, we drew you that whole Eurocentric view of like, you know, goodness versus the other blackness and, and, you know, other cultures and whatnot. It's, yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of work. And I know you didn't finish the movie that I, I told you to watch, <laughs> I but I definitely think some people should check out bad hair on Hulu a very good commentary on like black hair and the pain and stuff that women go through in order to try to achieve success or be viewed in a certain way and so it is it does have a very campy be horror filmy like vibe to it but it definitely does have some good social commentary in there when it comes to like you know black women trying to like move up in their jobs and in society and be viewed as professional and capable. Yeah, because it's basically like, I mean, I, I got a pretty distant way through it. So the the main girl in it, they when they take over wherever she works, she basically feels she has to get a weave to like stay at her job or be promoted, right? Mm-hmm. Or she feels like she has to. Mm-hmm. No, her um, boss literally is like, if you want to be one of my girls. <laughs> she says that to yeah. her? Like you have to get a weave? That's insane. It's, it's like implied. Anyway, watch the movie, yeah. people. <laughs> I'll have to finish it and report back. I think Phoebe Robinson puts it perfectly in her book when she says, outside of skin color, nappy hair is the biggest in-your-face reminder of Blackness. Mm -hmm. I think, and it's so true, when you see like a Black woman walking down the street with like a big Afro, I think to white people, that's like, wow, she is a Black woman. Mm -hmm. It's like the biggest signifier of sort of otherness, because I think when we as black women do things to our hair that 
white women like physically cannot do with their hair. I think that there's I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's so foreign to them that they can't comprehend like how hair can do that because they also have hair. And it's also just something that's like not really talked about or like considered. Well, so, that's true you know, too. When you, when you read magazines, like when I was growing up reading Seventeen and Marie Claire and Cosmo, like they had all these tips and tricks and stuff and talked about like white hair or, yeah. you know, like a uh, European Caucasian type hair. And there weren't really tips and tricks for me. And so I'm sitting here and I'm learning about all the things that white girls can do to their hair, but they're not <laughs> learning about me. They're not learning about my hair, my texture, the different things that I, I can do. So I think that's also part of it. Like they just didn't grow up with it. They didn't grow up learning. There was no information for them. And so I think like it's, you know, they, they missed out, but it's also like when you look at hair schools too, uh, what the majority of students are learning there is how to take care of and treat white hair. And yeah, it's even I've it's heard that recently. the point where I feel like a lot of like uh, salons are segregated, not on purpose, but it's just because like the stylist didn't spend that much time learning and they don't have the skills and they get very like, you know, when I walk into a salon and I see like the eyes shifting around like, oh, no, who's going to take her? What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. And you can even like see people like whispering to each other back. And I'm just like, you know, what? fuck it. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna go <laughs> go to a block salon. And like to this day, it's like wild. I will not let a, a white person cut my hair because because the two times I did, they fucked it up. Like they- I can't even tell you how many, I probably at least four or five times in high school where I just did like a walk-in salon appointment. And I was like, I just want to get cool, funky haircut today. And I'd walk in and my hair would be like up in a bun. So the person couldn't necessarily see my hair texture and they'd wash my hair and they'd like start doing it. And they'd be like, oh, why didn't you tell me? Like your hair was like this. And I'm like, like what? Like hair? And they're like, no, like we're going to have to charge extra because of your hair texture. And I'm like, why? Like it never made sense to me. I never got it. Or they'd be like, I don't, I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to blow dry this out. Like it's going to cost extra if you want me to blow dry your hair because of your hair texture. And I'd be like, um, okay, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> right? I don't it, understand it's that. It's so <laughs> messed up because it's like, all right, if a curly haired white girl walked in, they'd be like, right? okay, fine, whatever. But it's like, because your skin tone, because like you have, you just have curly hair, you know? Yeah. It's just curly hair. It's not, you know, you don't have like kinky or coily hair. You just have like very curly hair. I wouldn't yep. even say like very curly. You have, you have curly hair. And so if like yeah, a, a white girl with curly girls. hair walked in, they'd be like, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's been hard for curly haired white women out there too, <laughs> but not as difficult when like skin tone also comes in to play yeah. with it. Look at you. Like you're, you're like, you're a foreign object. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. They suddenly, they get like that deer in the head. They freeze up. Like, I don't know how to do this. This is different from, you know, what I'm used to working with. And it's like, well, no, you can actually still do it the same way. Yeah. It works the same way. It works very well. But it's, it's <laughs> it also, really does. <laughs> but like, that doesn't make me as a patron feel good. That doesn't make me either. I've no. so many salons feeling like, okay, well, what's wrong with me? Like, what right? are, you know, so it's not, it's not a good feeling. Don't, if you're a hairdresser listening to this, don't do that to people. <laughs> also educate yourself and learn how to do all kinds of hair types and exactly. hairstyles because <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you make yourself some money? Yeah. Some money, honey. Like <laughs> Black I, women spend more on hair care than any other 
race or gender mm-hmm. population yeah. the biggest spender on hair care of any group. Which is also something that's been frustrating me within like the last, let's say five years or so, like within this decade that I guess like those big companies have been um, piggybacking. They're finally realizing the power of the black dollar. And now they're finally catering to black women and black women's hair and coming out with. Oh, it drives me crazy. And like, nope, nope, no, thank you. I don't want your hair care products. You didn't give a crap about us, you know, five years ago. Why should I give you my money now? Mm-hmm. I, I've actually, I mean, a podcast for another day, but I've transitioned so much of my stuff to black owned businesses. Mm-hmm. I just make a concerted effort, even like, even like my tampons, <laughs> I, <laughs> I use a black owned business. Cause it's like, you don't realize like, almost any area in your life, things that you have to buy, like regularly, you can almost switch to a black owned company. If you, Oh, you know, another really good quote. I mean, hopefully we can put this in somewhere, but I, when I was reading um, Phoebe, Phoebe Robinson's book, you can't touch my hair. She just has so many really good insights in, in her book about, about black hair in America. And one of her points about the way white people view black hair. um, She says, a lot of times what it feels like is that white people view black hair as if it's sort of an entity unto itself, mm-hmm. like as if it doesn't belong to the person who has it. Like it's an abstract concept separate from the human that it belongs to. I mean, first, white people would have to see us as like full ass human beings to begin with, Um because I feel like a lot of that just comes with like they don't see black people as autonomy and like don't hit me with this all not all white people bullshit like you know who I'm talking about uh but like they <laughs> no we know not all white people are racist <laughs> <laughs> they don't view black people as having their own autonomy and personhood and thus therefore like our bodies do not belong to us or something that can be commented on and picked apart and touched and you know politicized uh, therefore, like, of course, like, you're going to get that lady who reaches out and touches you or just has, you know, all sorts of notions and things to say about your hair. Yeah. So speaking of white ladies touching things that they shouldn't be touching, <laughs> um, <laughs> we can transition into talking about black hair in the workplace. Personally, I don't know if it's the same case for you. I have never gone to a job interview where I haven't straightened my hair. Like it's a number one thing for me where... It has been drilled into me literally since I was probably two years old (laughs) in order to be accepted and look professional and pretty. My hair needs to be straightened. It needs to be blown out straight. That's it. I think every single um, interview I've ever gone on, my hair has been straight. I rarely, I think I rarely even wear my hair out curly or naturally to work in general because I feel like, you know, there was a few times when I worked at a former large institution here in Boston. I won't call you out just yet, although maybe some future episodes (laughs) where I have some things to say. Yeah, I've definitely had times where I've like I've worn my hair in its natural form and I've gotten comments such as like, oh, I didn't know it was casual day today or (gasps) yeah, or like, (gasps) oh, like just that's an interesting look or oh, you you changed things up, huh? Haven't you? So, you know, that also isn't like- I didn't know it was casual day. Yeah, that was from someone who is in a very high position of power and should not be saying that kind of shit to me. 
it never, for some reason, it just never ceases to blow my mind. I don't know why. I'm still always surprised that. One of the things that was like the worst for me is like when I worked at Sephora, uh, like, again, like one, not only being a woman of color, but also being someone in like the customer service industry is like clients just felt that they could touch me. I had so many people put their hands in my hair. At Sephora? Yeah. I've had so many customers who were just like, oh, your hair's so pretty. Oh, it's so straight. What do you use? It's so nice. And I'm just like, I would love to have a freak out right now on this floor and tell you to please not touch me, but I have to one, secure my job. And two, like, what am I supposed to do in this customer service role where it's just like, so, you know, I usually just take like a large step back and I'm just like, if you want to get your ratty ass greasy hair looking like this, please use these products because I got to sell <laughs> shit. But yeah, like, it's so weird because I feel like, you know, one, as a woman of color, like I don't have autonomy over my body and my body parts, but two, as a person in customer service, I have have no right to stick up for myself either. Yeah. I just can't even put myself in the mindset of somebody who would physically touch a stranger unsolicited. Even even women who rub other pre- like women who rub other pregnant women's bellies. Right? I I just I don't understand why you think that you can invade someone's personal space like that when you when you don't know them I I just I don't see how people can ever justify that to themselves and think that it's okay because I have a hard time believing that they would be okay if somebody did it back to them right and going back to what you said that that associate dean said to you it's literally like the the person was telling you curly equals unprofessional Mm -hmm. like just underlying period because there were women that I worked with, white women who had curly hair. And I was going to say, I've yeah. never had anything said to them, or I've had like the Stacys and the Allisons and Rebecca's of the world rolling into work with just a top knot, a very yeah. messy top knot on their head, <laughs> which uh, is much more casual day than I don't know if people think like black women wearing their hair curly is the equivalent of like a white woman wearing her hair in a messy bun. Like it's just like a get up and go kind of thing. And that's why they think it's so casual. Do you know how long it takes me when I wear my hair curly? It yeah, takes so much longer. not just get up and go. A wash and no. go is never just a wash and go. No, it is not wash and go. It is like, there are steps. There are multiple steps. It is a process. This is not the equivalent of a messy bun for me. So don't equate it to a messy bun. There's another great quote in Phoebe Robinson's book talking about specifically jobs in black women's hair. Um, she says, higher ability, acceptance, and attractiveness are all on the line when someone wears his or her hair naturally. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't think anything could be, you know, truer. And I, there's a huge part of me that like to believe that maybe it's not true anymore. But at the same time, if I went to a job interview tomorrow, I would still straighten my hair. I know I would. I know that white people find me more attractive when my hair is straight than when it is curly. You know, when I would wear my hair in its natural state for an interview, it's like when I'm trying to play the part. It's like, you know, if you're an actress going out for a part and they're looking for urban or ethnic or whatever. (laughs) No, like if I was um, applying for like a director of diversity, equity, inclusion kind of position, I would <laughs> probably wear my hair more in its natural state because I know I'm probably going to be interviewed by mostly white people and that I will be more so fitting into a look 
of what they think someone in that role is going to look like exactly uh, or or you know be their standard or token for diversity and equity and inclusion so i i would probably use it there to my advantage but maybe 50 percent because i still feel like i'm gonna go in here and like probably straighten my hair also full disclosure i just straightened my hair for the most part i, I flat iron my hair because <laughs> honestly wearing my hair straight has been a lot more like easier and convenient and takes less time and product for me yeah and like that's a personal choice you know why because it's my fucking hair and i'm gonna wear it whatever way i please not because society demands a certain way but because what is easiest for me i am like high key lazy people you know as a black woman if you do choose to straighten your hair it frustrates me to no end the black men who put down black women who choose to not wear their hair naturally you know, when they're like, oh, your hair is so beautiful, Carly, like be proud of your roots, be proud of your heritage. And it's like, I'm not saying I'm not proud of it because I chose to straighten my hair. You know, I think it's a lot easier for a man in general to make a comment like that because, you know, I don't want to say that they don't know how hard it is because obviously black men know how hard black women, you know, what they have to go through to to do their hair. And I think it's, you know, I don't know. Point, but they still Just, subscribe to the patriarchy, which is also influenced by Eurocentric ideals. I feel like more so men within the black community, one, uh, a black woman who has like that silky straight European or like wears a weave or whatever, and is not, hasn't been as accepting of like the, the natural texture. I feel like, you know, in theory, they're like, yeah, do it. My proud sister, my queen, whatever. But in practice, like the women that you see a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of, because again, not all black men, but like the woman on his shoulder has a weave. <laughs> yeah. What's desirable and attractive, which is fine. You know what? Wear a weave. If you want to wear a weave, wear your hair curly. If you want to wear it curly, if my, although I want to say like my journey into like the natural world. So like, I don't get my hair chemically straightened anymore. Maybe not for like the last eight years or so. I just, you know, flat iron it. I use heat to straighten my hair, but I've always kind of felt like within like the natural community, there's like a bit of a rift sometimes, or it's like the, you got to go all in or out or there's no like manipulation is bad for your mm-hmm. hair and so sometimes I feel like I'm looked at as like, like like a traitor almost for for kind of being natural but straightening my hair and it's like you can't win so like people are gonna hate no matter what do what you yeah. want with your hair and it just it's one of those things like it shouldn't be a bait debate like Black women in the army should have been able to wear their hair in braids and whatnot and shouldn't have taken until like what 2019 that I can't yeah that they could wear their hair in braids. So, well, it still blows my mind that you know you'll still hear news stories cropping up now and then of of schools like middle schools mm-hmm. and high schools that will ban b- black girls from like wearing braids and stuff in their hair. Can you imagine if a middle school tried to be like white girls can't wear their hair in half up half down ponytails? <laughs> I mean, what is the audacity to say? And a lot of times the excuse is it's too distracting or how is my hair such a topic of conversation for you that you can't focus on what your world history class? Yeah. Because my hair is in braids. If your kids are distracted by a kid's hair in braids, like maybe you should be having a discussion about why your kid is so easily distracted. Exactly. Why is your child so easily distracted by 
a black hairdo because mm-hmm. they've never seen it before because you've never exposed your child to black culture before. Maybe, so maybe your that's teeth on are just you. really boring and bad. Maybe we should be reevaluating <laughs> like the education system at that school and not trying to like enforce that is that is literally on everybody else in that room involved except the little black are wearing her hair and braids. Right. And then like, you know, when they write it into like the dress code that has an impact on students and then that reinforces of like what is considered acceptable and proper and professional and, you know, right. It, it starts making kids think that like there's wrong, there's something wrong with them and like wearing my hair and it like, of course, you know, our hair doesn't grow out of our head in braids. Um, it does not. But it is Hello. a way of maintaining our natural hair, natural hair texture. So whether it be braids or dreads or whatever, like that's just how we do it. Or if you want to, I love little girls and cute little Afro puffs. Like let them, let them be. I have braided my hair a couple times in my life, like done box braids. My journey with box braids, I have always wanted to get them done. I wanted to get them done when I was in high school. And my grandmother basically like wouldn't let me. She was like, I really don't want you to do that to your hair. It's going to destroy your hair. And then she started telling me things that like to scare me. She's like, if you get them done, your hair is going to all your hair is going to fall out. You're going to get bald spots. They're going to burn your hair. I think she just started saying crazy shit because she just didn't want me to look that black, Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest. It was something I always wanted to do. Once I was an adult out of my parents' home, I'm like probably 28 almost 30 at this point and I'm still it took me two years to think about it before I actually had the courage almost which sounds insane when I say it out loud to be like I had the courage to go and get my hair box braided when I got it done I felt like I was being defiant like I Mm -hmm. felt like I was fuck you care if you don't like this I do and I don't care what you think it looks like of negative feedback from my own family and from friends that I've been friends with for decades who were like, I actually had a really good friend of mine say, you look really black like that. And like, not in a positive way. Why are you concerned with how I look? Yeah. Like it was a negative to her that I had made myself look black. I was working at a nonprofit organization in Boston and two of my coworkers, white women, again, I feel like it's a lot of times when you're talking about like touching hair, I've never had, um, I've never had a, a white man unsolicited touch my hair. I don't know if you have mm, old white man, old white man. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's only ever been white women, but when I had my hair braided, I had two colleagues come up to me. And of course, you know, it's like that famous picture that went around the internet recently mm-hmm. where they come up to you and you're like oh my god your hair looks so cool can i touch it can i feel what it feels like me and my other hands like, already in your hair and it just makes you so uncomfortable but they almost put you in a position where if you say no you're the asshole mm-hmm. you know so you're like yeah sure because you just made me feel unbelievably awkward and uncomfortable and we're in an open office space and everyone just heard you ask me if you could touch my hair. So if I say no, I'm going to look like the crazy bitch. Mm-hmm. I think she felt it and she was like, that's a lot softer than I thought it would be. And I'm like, did, what did you think it was going to feel like? Did you think it would feel like yarn? Wool? What did you? Th- it's hair. Mm-hmm. I want to scream at people and go, it's hair. 
yes, it looks different than yours, but it's still just hair. I also really hate that because like a lot of the times I've gotten at work from, from white women who look at my hair because again, I wear it straight quite often and they're like, is that your real hair? Is that all yours? Are you wearing it? Why is that acceptable? Why that I would never go out to another person, no matter like their oh racial my God, you have ethnic background. In? Yeah, I would never ask them that. I would never ask them that. I would never ask to touch their hair. Like, you know what's acceptable to say? Like, your hair looks nice today. Like, can we just leave it at that? But like, I remember when I was um, trying on like my wedding dress or wedding just shopping and like the the lady who was helping me into my dress, she was just like, oh, your hair is so beautiful. Is that really all yours? (laughs) The the assumptions that are fraught in that sentence. Yeah, like all like, of the unsaid things that that carries. Right? Like, do you assume that black women can't have nice hair? That our hair doesn't grow long? That it can't be straight? Yep. I think you're right. I think, you know, going back to what you said earlier, it's hard. It's like 50-50. I think a lot of it does honestly just come down to ignorance a lot of times. I grew up in an all-white town. I was raised by two white parents. Um... I did not have really any connection with my black family till I was older. And for me, it was really hard because I, I didn't, there was just nobody like me. There was nobody I could talk to. There's no, there, I had no reference points. The, the internet didn't exist yet. I couldn't look shit up. So I just, you know, I did what I saw, what everybody else was doing around me. And there weren't really any other options for me. You know, I could, I could only do what was available. And even for me, like I had to learn. I know that none of my white girlfriends know what a weave is or how a weave is done or how box braids are even done. I know that they don't know, you know, that a lot of black women wear wigs sometimes and they have their hair cornrowed underneath. Like they don't understand the processes and how it works and how you go to the salon and if you have a weave you get your hair braided a certain way and then how they do things you know like how it works there's like a veil there and I think that that does play a part in the sort of like feeling like it's okay to question because it's like it is such it is genuinely such a mystery where they're like I really don't know how you did that like I know that you might have done some manipulation that I have no idea what it consists of and I'm just curious nowadays you can google it you can google it you can watch a video yeah nowadays there's just no excuse i mean there's never an excuse for ignorance but like i'm not giving a pass to people but i'm also not taking time out of my day to educate them like i'm tired yeah i I have so many other things that i want to do that i I don't have time to stop and educate you about hair and go read a fucking book (laughs) Watch or Good what, Hair even, by, by Chris Rock or something. <laughs> Seriously, I was going to say, watch the Chris Rock documentary. Oh, my God. I think about- that opened so many white people's eyes. So my mother-in-law, love her enough. Really sweet, wonderful woman. Um, So for people who don't know, I'm married to a white man. Like, so white, so gingery. <laughs> love him to death. Love my mother-in-law to death. But I remember after she watched Good Hair, and I remember, like, her biggest takeaway from that was, like, oh, you never touch a black woman's hair. No. <laughs> you know how much time and money she spent on that? And I'm, like, yay. I'm glad you learned that. But, like, what else did you take? <laughs> right? <laughs> that was the biggest takeaway. But that's her favorite that's thing to say when any, whenever anyone tries to touch my hair. So, like, I'm glad that she also, like, tries to defend me. But I'm also, yeah. like, it is a little cringy (laughs) it's a it's so sweet but a little cringy i get what you're saying at the same time 
Yeah. White people can be wild sometimes. Growing up in a white family, I just, I'm, I, so for for the viewers who don't know, um, my family is white, Irish, Catholic from Boston. Um, and a lot of them, like, I don't, they, they honestly, I think they have convinced themselves that I'm not black. I think there's quite a few family members that I have that like in their mind, I'm just Irish. There isn't anything else. Even I remember when I was little, like before I actually knew what my ethnic background was. Yes, it was in question at some point in my life. I would ask and I would get the craziest answers. Like they would say anything but black. Mm. And I think to this day that there's just some members of my family that just like still don't like to acknowledge it. And when I do things like braid my hair, you know, it's just like in their face. And I, I think it's just like they don't like to be reminded of. And I think that it's probably that way with like a lot of white people where I think like you were saying with your colleagues, it's like they see you a certain way every day. They see you with that silky straightened hair. And then it's like you come in all of a sudden with your hair curly one day and they're like, oh, yeah, Melissa's black. Like, she's a black woman. <laughs> you know, it's it's almost like a like, remember when? Oh, my God. Best meme of all time when Beyonce came out with Lemonade. Mm -hmm. And there were all those videos of people in office buildings like going crazy like there was an earthquake or something. And they were like, <laughs> Beyonce's black. <laughs> And all these white people were like losing their shit. They were like, she's black. Like they didn't know because she, you know, it's, it's like that. It's like, because she put out a video that was so like in your face blackness that there's something just inherently about that, that makes a huge segment of the white population deeply uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. But it also just sucks like getting it from your own family too. Like I come from a, a I want to call them a family of color. Like, so my ethnic background <laughs> is black, Mexican, and native American. Um, so the, the older people in my family usually just call themselves of color, um, black when it's convenient and, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and so I get it a lot from my family. So like when I wear my hair, curly sometimes I do not get like the the best reception like they'll be like oh okay yeah it's nice or whatever that way but it looks better when it's straight or yeah. you know they like always get like really nice positive comments so I don't usually get compliments from my man that's another that's another <laughs> yeah. podcast for a later day about like family and relationships and stuff <laughs> like that but usually the nicest things they say about me is about my hair and about like you know oh it's so pretty it's so long it's so this and you know um I, I remember even cutting my hair um, in college. I sported like a, a to the chin, occasionally like almost pixie as ha haircut. And um, they were not happy with me for cutting my hair. <laughs> it was still straighter and ever, but it was short. It was yeah. short. It was not feminine. It was not, you know, beautiful and, and bible -y or whatever the fuck they, they say. And so it, it's a hard um, because I feel like there's so much pressure on women of color to please everyone. We have to yeah. please, please society, please our employers, please our families, and like still try to find some space to please ourselves. Exactly. And I think that it's, it's really difficult. And I, I think 
it, it, it's, it is really hard too when we look at how much it is perpetuated by our own community, mm-hmm. the stereotypes and the standards. I mean, still, still to, to this day, I, you know. To this day, we use terms like good hair. Yes, people still say it. People still say it. And I think, I think the fact that people are questioning it now more mm-hmm. is definitely a sign of progress. I think the younger generations hopefully are, you know, when you, when you see celebrities like Beyonce who doesn't choose to straighten her daughter's hair, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's a huge step in the right direction. You remember how much controversy over that? Like, people oh, but yeah, it was calling it, blue nappy headed and stuff like yes. that. Like that's so awful. People calling a baby ugly because of her hair. The fact that those words would ever leave someone's lips, never mind be published to a public forum. Mm-hmm. But also, like, think about the fact that a black baby, it's okay for society to scrutinize a black female child like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think if that would ever happen with like, like, a little, like no one would say a that about Surrey Cruz? No, my God, no. It would be blasphemy. Like people would storm out of their homes with pitchforks and and, and torches and whatnot and be like, how dare you talk about Katie Holmes's little white baby like that? Mm -hmm. The only time I can ever think that white babies, this is such a weird tangent we've taken, Mm -hmm. have gotten such harsh criticism in the public media and people were like accepting of it was Bruce and Demi's kids. Remember when they were little? It was like on the front of a tabloid. It was like a picture of his three elementary school age daughters. And it was like the ugliest celebrity children. <gasps> That's awful. Can you imagine that? No, I mean, The okay. scars that, that like, leaves. Leave kids alone. Like leave kids alone. They're going through shit. They're children are not up for debate. Adults. Yeah. Like I would never call a kid never ugly. I wait until they are 18 years old and they can come for me if they don't like what I'm saying. But like I don't insult children. Never. But I think, you know, more along the lines of our topic, just the fact that like you were saying, like black women's bodies, it's like somehow so much more okay for society to like have a say, to have an opinion, to criticize, to touch, to anything. And it's like, why? Why? It's, I mean, it's they've not- literally been making shit. Do you remember the Shignon laws? The back what? During, so um, back during slavery, um, you know, I guess black women would braid their hair in like such like intricate, like beautiful styles. I think like, you know, master's wife would get upset and think that, you know, oh, these black slaves are alluring and um, uh, attracting her husband. So then the Chignon, Chignon, it's a French word. I don't know how to pronounce French words. Oh, the like that hairstyle. No, it was like Chignon, but like they were like ordered to like wrap their hair up in scarves. To cover their hair because it was too alluring. Oh, Tignon. It's T-I-G-N-O-N, law of 1786. It was actually a law? Yes. Um, 
Let's see what it says on Google. Resistance on behalf of women of African descent can be seen in their reaction to the Tignon Law. The Tignon Law, enacted by Governor Don Stephen Miro of New Orleans, prohibited Creole women of color from displaying excessive attention to dress in the streets of New Orleans. So like their, their hair and things like that. So the headdress was a result of the law. So like women wrapping up their hair and stuff like that. So um, please read about it online, listeners. Literally required by law to cover our hair in the 1700s. So what we have taken away from this is that like since slaves were brought to the United States, white people have thought that they have total control over the way black women wear their hair. Like the way that they say goes and they had enforced it legally during slavery I mean, this was specific to Louisiana, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Slavery was bad. So ever since slaves were brought to the United States, white people in America have first legally controlled black women's hair. And then because of all of the the damage, all of the psychological damage that they did to the black population in the United States and all of the hierarchies they created by you know, putting in this idea of, of good hair and, and light skin and all of these systems that they created, it, it got into black people's psyche. And then well, we reinforce it within our own culture. And it's just one of those things, like it just takes time to go away. You know, when you think about sl- slavery ended less than 200 years ago, mm-hmm. it's, it hasn't even been 200 years. We still have people who are like the grandchildren of slaves. That yeah, that's basically what I'm trying to get at. Like we still have grandchildren. Like that's not that's only two generations away from a slave. So for you know, you're talking about generational trauma here. Generational trauma takes a long time, a long time, and a lot of concerted effort to be weaved out of society. And it's I think it's starting, but only like kind of recently, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there was sort of a movement in the eighties a little bit. Oh yeah. There the, definitely the, you was know, the, like the back to Africa movement that sort of happened in the eighties. Not that. So I want to say like late sixties, early seventies, where we had like the black is beautiful movement um and where people were kind of like returning to you know wearing their hair natural like very black power movement where we can see like with our angela davises and whatnot um there definitely was like that return to you know wearing your hair from your natural state and you know showing the beauty of your your african heritage and pride and stuff like that and so we definitely had that that movement come along and then in the 80s rolled around and you know we're getting into that whole like corporate america make that money hustle kind of life that's when you see like this uh i'm reading from a research paper that i wrote by the 1980s many african-americans particularly women (laughs) went back to straightening their hair this served the purpose once again of assimilation as one needed to look well-groomed to get the job um so to achieve economic success black americans had to adhere once again to white standards um this doesn't mean that like the the black power movement did not have a lasting effect um because you do still see a lot more of like natural hairstyles and also through the 90s where we have of like the box braids coming into play and also um you know we can't skip over the jerry curl 
in the 80s oh my gosh the, <laughs> the 80s Jer- the I just always think of um Michael Jackson and Thriller with the yeah. Jerry Curl, the 80s Jerry Curl. And I think like with the Jerry Curl, it was giving African Americans like a distinct yet manageable like look. Um but yeah. I feel like the 90s was definitely like a decade of cultural reclaiming. Um, where like that emphasis was placed on going back to natural and people were starting to wear more of like the kinky curly styles and braids and locks. Like box um, braids and mm-hmm. um, what are those that became really popular too? Why can't I think of the, the little buns that are? Oh, the Bantu knots? Bantu knots. Yeah. Yes. Bantu knots also became really popular. Um, but you know, 90s. we still had a lot of hair straightening. And then I want to say like 2000s is definitely when like the weave and wig industry like really started booming. Well, I feel like the 2000s was like almost a uh, like a kind of a setback for for black hair because it was just so popular to have straight hair in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. Like that's what was in was like that mm-hmm. bone straight image them was like the kate moss you know heroin model (laughs) chic and also like you know the rachel (laughs) that yes the rachel long stuff like that (laughs) long layers you know long blonde layers of hair um and i that's like when straightening irons became really popular too Mm -hmm. so it was like it made it more accessible for a lot of people to have that type of hairstyle too um no more hot combs for this kid I know, right? Um, oh. I'll never forget the very first time I ever straight ironed my hair. I was at my friend Rory's house. Mm. We were going to, okay, so there's this nightclub that we used to go to in Boston. It was like an, <laughs> it was like an 18 plus, like they let you in if you were 18 and over. Oh, it was like yeah, Sesame it was, After Dark for us in New Jersey. Yeah, like a hand stamp because you were like under 21, so you couldn't yeah. drink. We were only like 16 or 15 even at the time, like pretend they didn't care how old the girls were basically they just let you in if you look hot i know it's so sleazy so we were like 15 16 going to this nightclub um it's like on route one too it wasn't even like in boston it was like in saugus so trashy um and we were at our house she had just gotten a hair straightener and i had blowed i always blew out my hair but whenever we'd go dancing like it would get super frizzy because it was so hot in the nightclubs yep and it would just turn into like a big puff ball and I'd always be like upset by the end of the night. And she was like, try my hair straightener. And I'll never forget like the very first swipe through when it's like bone straight. I was like, oh, this is possible. What? And then my hair never saw a curl again till college. Mm. <laughs> I remember my flat iron almost ruined my life in, in high school. Like a few <laughs> days before prom, I like burnt my forehead really, really bad. <gasps> oh, my no. Thank God for bangs. Like, um, saved my life. That was also <laughs> the first time I got like a weave too. That I like, had like a couple tracks of hair. So, yeah. in, so that I had like longer hair for, nice. for prom. And it was, it was definitely a look <laughs> it <laughs> happened um you can rock bangs you're lucky i, I love bangs i have like appropriate forehead size for them i think you look cute with bangs um, i was told by a hairdresser when i was like 16 she was like your forehead's too small never get bangs you look <laughs> stupid and i was like oh cool okay and i had bangs at the time i think my forehead she was like grow them out you look fingers ugly fingers in in width <laughs> three Aww. months like not even Mine's like two and a two and a little bit. <laughs> you 
have a itty bitty forehead, but you know what? I do. do you do what you want? <laughs> get a wig with bangs and test it out. Prove her right. Wrong. I know. I'd have to get those like tiny little bit. Although curly hair and bangs, I just that's very late nineties, early two thousands. What? That that like, like Gretchen Wiener oh, like, haircut. Straighten <laughs> when you straighten the bangs, but yeah. still wear your hair curly. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so good. Oh, oh man. Oh, Gretchen Wiener. Have I ever told you that I wanted to get like a dash hound and name her Gretchen Wiener dog? You have never told me that, <laughs> but I also never knew you were obsessed with puppets either. So. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, that'll also be a podcast for another day of black girls doing. Oh, my God. Well, no, just an episode dedicated to black puppeteers. Yeah, I would love it. Oh, oh my God. So throughout these podcasts, if you all still continue to listen to us, you will find (laughs) out many, many weird things about me. So like my love of puppets or distrust of the ocean, like. Oh my gosh. Yes. And also we will direct you to our website, which you can fill in the form. We have a contact page where you can send us ideas for episodes too. If you have an idea for an episode that you'd like to hear us do. I mean, we never really even did an intro to say what the podcast is even about. (laughs) We should do that at some point. We probably should, but oh, well, you'll figure it out. (laughs) It's black girls doing cool shit. We're here to break stereotypes and barriers and show y'all that we are a multifaceted, wonderful, magical group of people doing all sorts of things in this world. And you can't stop us. Exactly. Like making tampons and being puppeteers. Um, Did you have any other work stories? Any horrific work care stories? I mean, not like work stories, but just in general, like stop touching black women. Stop, I mean, stop touching people in general. Like your hands should never <laughs> touch someone without their consent. Whether they're pregnant or a black female. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one. Don't touch people, first of Don't all. Don't touch people. Nobody but wants like, to be touched. If they're a stranger, like I have had people on the T, so that's our subway here in Boston if you aren't from here. Um, I have people on the T touch my hair. And like nasty, dirty, gross, stranger, stranger hands in my hair. That's touching so me. Gross. Um the only time where people have touched my hair and I was kind of like Meh, about it was when I was like um, in Japan. I lived in Japan for a little bit. That's something else you all will hear about at some point later. Um, and occasionally people touched my hair, but like they at least asked first and waited for my permission. And I understood that it was because like uh, a lot of them have never seen a black person before or touched them. Yeah. I went to the hot springs a lot. So they've also never bathed with a naked with a black person before. <laughs> so all sorts of learning experiences right then. So I think it was the only time I was okay with like people touching my hair and asking questions. And it really opened, only happened like once. I will say the, the Japanese were very respectful about like my body and autonomy and not touching me. Um, like a here in America where, oh, you know, like one of the only good things about the Rona rolling around is that like no one has touched me in a very long time. Hey, maybe that, maybe this will just be the shift that society needed where people will freaking stop thinking it's okay to touch strangers without their permission. Six feet, please. I wonder if, because solely for the fact that you are darker than me, I have never had a white person touch me without asking. They've always asked. They usually don't 
like pause, like their hand is already out or in my hair, but they've always asked me. And I wonder, do you think that that's, Oh yeah, definitely. 100%. Definitely. 100% because I am darker that, you know, I have less autonomy. I am less valued as a person in this society because I like have that is such skin. a direct correlation and so fucked up. Yeah. That that's like, like right here, you and me, it's like, they ask me and they don't ask you. I will also say it's because I look slightly friendly. Like, um, you know how people have resting bitch bitch face. <laughs> Do I not look friendly? I Do mean, I you look friendly, but like I have like resting nice person face. Like my <laughs> general do. expression on my face, whether I'm like sitting and thinking about like, oh man, I got a fart, or like, <laughs> like is, I just have a smile on my face like all the time. So I think yeah, you do. People assume that I am friendly, which FYI, I sometimes am but usually am not especially no. if you see me in public on my own <laughs> most of the time she's like a cat like, yeah just, i'm like a don't cat. touch I'm, without permission please no i will bite You'll get a hissed person. at <laughs> yeah. yeah you will i do sometimes hiss um <laughs> i have been known to hiss at other people um, you have and i've seen it and it's hilarious <laughs> Yeah, that that just sort of hit me like a ton of bricks when you said that, because I'm like thinking back to every time someone just touched my and I've I I can't recall a time when someone's just done it without asking. I'm surprised. So like you've never had like an older white man touch you or touch your hair. I have, but they're like, oh, my God, your hair looks so pretty or so soft or so, you know, whatever adjective they're going to use to assume how they didn't think it would look because I'm black you know, they're like, it looks so this, so that, whatever. I can I touch really, it? And, uh, but I their really hand is, can I touch it? And they're already, it's already in their hand or they're already halfway to your face. And did you see that uh, meme that was going around? Like, I want to say during, maybe in June when a lot of the protests started, it's a picture of this beautiful black woman with this like gorgeous curly hair was it like an old white lady and an old white man yes and it's an old white couple and both of their hands are in her hair and she's smiling and she looks really happy and she's like do you know how upset and uncomfortable i was in this picture it's so hard because it's like why do we feel the need to make people feel comfortable when they have just made us feel so uncomfortable honestly i think it's just for our own safety and protection because like and don't take this the wrong way listeners sometimes white people scare the fuck out of me because i don't know how they're going to react if i get upset because obviously their feelings and their upsetness is going to be valued over my own so if i freak out because somebody touched me or like you know i've had this happen many a times in the workplace where like white girl says something to me that I find offensive. I fire back and let her know that she was offensive. Now she's crying and everyone (laughs) is coming to her aid. And I am the bad person. I am the mean angry black girl that made the white girl cry. You know, and there's a really good article that you can like Google It's called when white women cry um, and how they weaponize and use their tears against us. And so like, for me, like quite often I'm, I'm nice about it or don't make a scene about it because like, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to be in danger somehow. Yeah. And it's it's really, really fucked up that I have to even think about that or deal with that because someone is violating my personal space, violating my body, making me feel extremely uncomfortable and unsafe. Like, how do you feel if someone's hand is that close to your face, close to your eyes, like in your hair? Like, I don't know if you're a crazy person or not, or not to be like, I don't know, not to use crazy in like a neurotypical way, but like, I don't know what your intents 
what are. your intent and yeah and your motivation is yeah. in this situation yeah and so like i'm extremely vulnerable right now but yet i am the one who is in like most danger of having negative repercussions for expressing how i feel yeah it, it's like the ultimate weaponization of of privilege when you can put your hands on someone else's body and the penalty is theirs, mm-hmm. not yours. Every time a white, a white woman cries, a black woman dies. Oh no. <laughs> That's horrible. I just thought, I don't know why I just thought of that. I was like trying to come up with a, Should with a clever ditty. No, we're going to get in trouble if we do <laughs> no. that. Oh my God. <laughs> gonna, can you imagine? We're going to get in trouble. We're going to have so many, so many notes written to us about that. But it is kind of true. Every that, like, time a black woman cries or every time, a, every time a black woman, woman cries, cries, nobody listens. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that should be a t-shirt. Put that on a t-shirt. But uh, every yeah. time a white woman cries, a black angel dies. Oh no! <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! I don't. I don't I'm like. Trying to come thing. up with something clever. Oh, it's not working. No. If anybody has any suggestions, please let us know. Every time a white woman cries, dot dot dot. <laughs> but yeah, and like the other thing I hate when they put their hands in your hair, and I think you talked about this earlier, when they're like, oh, it's so soft, or I oh, didn't God, expect you to feel like, like, do you think that's a compliment? I know. Well- because going into this, what did you think it was going to feel like? Like, you think I walk around with steel wool? Do you think there's something in here that's going to bite your hand off when you go in? It's okay. But if you are thinking that, why are you touching me? Why are you taking that risk? But- yeah, I know. that. That's, I feel like that's the top feedback that i always receive is it's so soft it's so like oh it feels so silky or i can get my hands through it like do you think there's a bear trap <laughs> it's booby trapped <laughs> should start fucking booby trapping my hair actually right should so we should invent that put little razor blades in there touch it now bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny <laughs> we need to now i'm gonna go that. to jail i feel like anything i'm gonna that. just go to jail I don't want to go to jail. I'm sensitive. <laughs> and I mean, I have always lived in white dominated um, areas. Me I, too. You know, grew up in Massachusetts, lived in Oregon <laughs> for a while, which is like uber white. And then I lived in Wisconsin for a while, which is also like ultra uber white. Um, I've never really lived in a place that had like a a good majority not a majority but even a a decent population of other black people so i don't know like if you live in atlanta is the experience a little different you know is it like because i feel like no matter where you go white people gonna white (laughs) white people oh my god that needs to be on a (laughs) t-shirt white people gonna white like even (laughs) Because like, I feel like, you know, if you're a black person and like, and I have also been in an experience where I have mostly been like the only one of me in any given situation, because I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey and went to predominantly white school, went to predominantly white university and grad school, lived in Massachusetts. I lived in Japan for a little bit. Again, I'm the only one of me. Um, So I've, I've been in those situations and I feel like, you know how like it's awkward and you feel maybe... 
unsafe or uncomfortable. I feel like for like most white people being in spaces where they might be the only white person, they still have like their privilege protection and can kind of get away with doing whatever they want and just kind of do anyway. So even if you're a white person living in Atlanta, which again, I feel like Atlanta is a little bit segregated too, because like you have your white area, you have your black area, and sometimes we meet in the middle, but I feel like yeah, white people gonna white. They're just gonna like if they're like, oh, what pretty hair you have there. Is it all yours? And <laughs> is it all yours? And like they're gonna touch him. Oh it's my just... god! Can you imagine walking up to a white woman with like long, like, nope, I'm gonna jail. hair? I'm gonna go to jail. No, putting your fist nope. in her hair and being like, are those extensions? Nope, because she's gonna scream. She's sl- gonna cry, and I'm going to go yes. to jail. Or you'd get punched in the face, knocked in the street. Nope, she's someone's getting hurt. Someone's getting, yeah, someone's getting the cops called on them. It's me. Someone's bleeding at the end of that situation. Like, it's, when you flip the switch, it's wild. It's wild when you see how different the interaction is. And, you know, for any of our listeners that are not Black females, like, just take a second and try to put yourself in that position where at any given day, at any given time, no matter where you are, somebody could just, some stranger could just walk up to you and put their hands all over you and it would not be okay for you to say anything mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you would be risking your own safety if you were to react in a negative way. Yeah. And also if you are a non-Black woman or a person and you have touched a Black person or um, person outside of your race or ethnic background um, without their permission because you were curious, and my air quote here, you can't see, because you were curious, um, please think back on that moment and how that might have made that person feel. And if you're still friends with them or know them, maybe apologize and reflect on Definitely your apologize and like why it was not okay and please never do it again. And you know what? Even if they did give you permission, Reflect on that because I guarantee that the permission was not something they wanted to give you. They gave it to you because they felt immensely uncomfortable or and obligated. You put them, you put them obligated. In a weird- you put them in a super weird position where they felt like they could not say no. So I think that this is probably a lot easier for other women to understand other women of all races to be put in a position where you feel like you can't say no to something you know, I think a lot of other women can definitely relate to that because men of all races put women of all races in situations where they feel like they cannot say no. And I know most other women can understand that. I think it's probably a topic that's a little bit harder for men to grasp. I'm making some generalizations here, um, but just from the Me Too movement and everything that's mm-hmm. been going on, you know, it, it, it's a theme that runs throughout our society that I think it is something um, women probably have an easier time relating to. I definitely know that there are probably men out there that can definitely relate to this as well. But if you are a, another woman and you have been put in a situation where you feel like you can't say no to somebody, you know, swap that out for if you have touched a black woman. And even if she did say yes, you know, put yourself in her shoes and imagine if maybe that was a man doing that to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, how you would respond and how you would feel about that situation <sighs> trying to change the world one podcast at a time <laughs> <laughs> so, today's psa don't touch people without their permission you know what i tell my niece and my nephew at your sides at all times <laughs> it's a good takeaway <laughs> at your sides 
Put your hands in your pockets mm-hmm. if you have them. And I think workplaces, I you shouldn't be touching people in the workplace because HR has <laughs> no, like some definite policies. <laughs> even when I compliment people at work, I always say, hey, you look really nice today in an HR friendly way because I know you I'm used not to say that all the time. Up. And I thought it was so funny. It's so I'm weird. I'm not when you getting written up for shit. <laughs> for our viewers or for our listeners, not our viewers, our listeners. Um, Melissa and I did work together for a period of time. It's not how we met, um, but we did work together for a while. She's a great colleague to have and also a very funny colleague to have. You used to say that all the time. I thought it was hilarious. You know, there needs to be a law. Can't discriminate against Black women based on their hair. You mean like specifically for like the black yes. lady law? Like you cannot yes. discriminate because like you we cannot discriminate discrimination laws. Like those things went to the Supreme. But yeah, we still are dealing with like it's still environments that regularly. have like dress codes and whatnot that don't like or even like hair wraps. Like you know, if I was a Muslim woman and I wanted to wear a hijab or whatever to work, that would be fine. But as a black woman, like if I wanted to wrap my hair up in a pretty scarf, that might be a quote unquote dress code violation. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand how how people justify not counting that as discrimination Mm -hmm. when schools and stuff like that make rules and regulations and they say, okay, we're we're aware of school and you can choose not to go here. We're a company. You can choose not to work here. But they're making rules and regulations that are specifically targeted against discriminating against black women. I don't understand how that's allowed. I don't understand. I don't know what's challenged that have they i don't know or also like just making room in certain places so like i know like for some of my friends who cheer who were cheerleaders back in the day you know how you have to have like your slick hair and like your curly ponytail oh yeah but you know i had a friend who had braids and it was just like you got to take your braids out if you want to be in cheer because one it's dangerous we don't want it like whipping around and hurting people but also it doesn't match with like you know because like they again they do the slick hair back and they do the little the little curls like Like she could have pulled it up in a very cute ponytail or bun mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's gonna whip around and hurt somebody f you (laughs) i've also like i've also heard that for like dance schools too really yeah like I no didn't know braids because it's dangerous it's dangerous it makes you think has any uh, please please write to us and let us know if you are a white woman and you have ever been knocked unconscious by a black woman's braids. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really curious to know if that has ever happened in the history of the world it's like do you know how many white girl ponytails i have been whipped with seriously right riding on the subway or walking behind someone (laughs) with a very long horse-like ponytail hair and like (laughs) which is probably an extension by the way back and i get hit in the face i think i remember one of our like interns i remember she had like really long hair and she like whipped it once and i got hit in the face but i love her to death so she's doing it on purpose and you get like a mouthful of hair and you're like this tastes like roses that's happened to me before too oh my goodness but you know, watch out for those box braids. They're dangerous. Mm-hmm. The shit white people come up with to to oppress us. It's just the levels, mm-hmm. the levels justifying Layered, it with like like a fancy justifying it with like danger. Like you will be in physical. You'll be putting other girls in physical danger if you have box braids while you dance. Mm-hmm. Like it's a fact. No, it's not. No, it's not. They can be put up in a bun mm-hmm. or a ponytail. I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> You're gonna Google black girl whip flash. 
Yeah. Has, has anyone ever been assaulted by a set of box braids? I think we're coming to a point in I the know. podcast where we are like disintegrating. <laughs> I think we have said so what we needed to say on this topic. And if, you know, please write to us. If you have questions, you can follow us on Instagram at black girls doing it. That's D O I N I T add us comment, write us a message. Um, terrible mean things will be reported or we'll just make fun of you on our podcast. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. So I do not get content creators who block people's names who say nasty things. Oh no, I will not block if you. If you I will say nasty you. shit to us, we will show everybody that it was you that said it. Mm-hmm. You have no protection for your fouling. I will or go your through language. like your friends list and shit too. And <laughs> I will find whoever's following you and I will message it to them too because I'm petty and I have so much free time right now because exactly. of Exactly. Do and not we'll message. Me. We'll message it to your friends. Mm-hmm. We'll message it to your employer. We'll message it to your girlfriend or boyfriend or both. Everyone's gonna know what a that you're a piece racist of shit. piece of scumbag you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and try us with it. Go for it. No, don't. I'm not inviting that. Yeah, please don't. And don't also, if you're a creep like, and you want to take like pictures of your bits and show it to us, I will sell them online. So don't do that. <laughs> We are going to be starting an OnlyFans page specifically for pit- unwarranted dick pics. <laughs> That's legal. I need to look into it. <laughs> Where we'll make money off of selling unwarranted dick pics. All right. Well, we should say adieu and close out this yeah. first episode of Black Girls Doing It. Black Girls Doing It. <laughs> Ooh, that was nice. I liked that. We're gonna write a jingle or have someone write a jingle for us. It's gonna it's not, well it sounds like you can do it. <laughs> I could. You could because right. I'm lazy. <laughs> We're still uh, getting our website together. Hopefully it will be fully done by the time we launch this. So you guys can look at it. And once again, um it's www.blackgirlsdoinit.com. Yep. And then again, please like us and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're on Facebook, right? Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. At Black Girls doing D-O-I-N it, I-T. So. Yep. Tweet us, Facebook us, Insta us, all the things. All of the things. We are on all the social medias except for TikTok because we are too old for that. Exactly. I'm too old for that shit. I'm not, no, <laughs> I can't not, do we're that. We're not doing it. It's no. so much effort. I have. A, we're not a talking. And we're not TikToking. And a dog, and I also just don't want to. So <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah. I just have a really needy cat, and I just I don't have the time for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week, the week after. Whenever it happens, stay tuned. Whenever we post another yeah. episode, stay tuned. Linda. Bye. I know I, I did too. Every moment of the '90s until 1997, when I was a child, <laughs> I can tell you for a fact that I hated so much of the style in the '90s. I was unhappy. I, I was I such too. an unhappy child. <laughs> I I basically spent the '90s in bike shorts, a t-shirt that was like three sizes too big for me. Tied at the side with like one of those little clip things that you'd pull the t-shirt through, you know, mm-hmm. and then a side pony. 
That was like my signature. Yeah, look. I didn't get to do the cute 90s. Stuff. Like my mom, my mom dressed me like a tiny businesswoman quite often. I remember like <laughs> penny totally loafers and matching sweater sets and like <laughs> a uh, tiny business And it was. I love that image I mean, so much. I was super cute. <laughs> whatever it's fine i hated all the other like 90s style on kids and stuff but you know what i hated the most that what? stupid swishy windbreaker material <gasps> i loved that in, stuff in, in oh my god patchwork colors i had a full tracksuit that was like hot pink teal and white <laughs> hate it tracksuit and, and it was amazing it and it was a swishy tracksuit when they can't i hate the swishy noise i hate the it's material. so bad i hate i hate all of it but then in the 2000s when tracksuits came back but velour they're back again I know the velour tracksuit is back no. again it's back again are we writing I mean, things across the ass like juicy again no i don't okay. think there's any writing it's it's like a subdued version where like the colors are muted so it's very like nude, but it's back. Oh, Maybe it's back. That's better. My mom would not allow me to have clothing <laughs> that had things written across the butt or chest because she didn't want me to be advertising my goodies. <laughs> I don't I don't think I ever really wanted. I think I sort guys think I saw those juicy tracksuits as like very basic bitch. So I never I, got one. It just looked lazy. Yeah. To me. Like it just and it also I was, was never not into very that look. Flattering. No, no, I it wasn't. Think it was flattering. And then also remember. from the girl who wore like flare jeans, a tank top, and like a zip-up hoodie for most of high school. That was pretty much what I wore too. I wore bootcut jeans all the time, and usually like a tank top, and then like a cardigan. Yeah, that and was my like, like worn-out Birkenstock mule knockoffs. <laughs> Oh my God, Birkenstocks were so big in the '90s or mm-hmm. early 2000s. Mm-hmm. We're old as fuck, by the way. If you're, we are. Like, like I can't even. or whatever. So fuck you and your youth, but also please save the planet. <laughs> we're counting on you. Seriously, our parents and our grandparents messed up, and none of us could get any jobs because we graduated during a recession. So it's up to you. You graduated during a recession. <laughs> Hey, I graduated yeah. when it was like right over. Oh, <laughs> there hey. were jobs for me. <laughs> well, good for you. I'm not that much older than you. Jeez. I know, Makes I'm me kidding. feel I'm ancient. Joking. I'm joking. I'm mostly joking. <laughs> mostly. Tiny granules of truth. Like the um, biggest recession since the 1930s. Awesome. Except for now. Oh, yeah. Because of the Ronas. Oh, this has been a weird ass year. We should have a podcast later on just about how fucking weird it's just talking been. about how weird 2020 is. 2020 has been so. I'm really happy that January 2020 that my like New Year's resolution was kind of to give up on life, so I was already prepared. Well, there you go. <laughs> my oh, New Year's resolution was that I was literally gonna like own 2020, and it has literally been the most unproductive depressing year of my life literally Mm. since i was born probably Mm. so there's that yeah the end is getting an uptick because i started a podcast with one of my bestest friends yeah so Uh, please keep listening to us to give sheena something to live for it's all your fault (laughs) i do like christmas and it's coming up soon okay well after christmas please keep listening to us you're the only (laughs) thing exactly sheena going 
the only thing. <laughs> what was keeping me going before this? Basically watching old cartoons from my childhood and Starbucks lattes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. All dogs go to heaven and caramel brulee lattes. <laughs> nice. Oh, I can't wait to have sugary things and alcohol again once the holes in my mouth are healed. Oh my gosh, how are your teeth, by the way? Pretty good. So for all the people who do not know, one of the reasons the podcast has been delayed was because I decided right before recording that I wanted to get all of my wisdom teeth taken out. Um, <laughs> so that I could eat during Thanksgiving and not be in pain. So I'm in the healing. It process. was a solid reason. It was a solid, solid reason. reason. And that like tooth it. needed to go. Yes. Oh my God. I have one that was coming in and it was like, fuck your mouth. And so it was like crooked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like punching the tooth next to it in the side. It was T-boning it. <laughs> it was not, it was not pleasant. So those teeth needed to come out. So now I just have some like tiny holes in my mouth that are uncomfortable and catch things and I have to keep swishing and it's really annoying. But like, I think the paper I read said that I can't like have alcohol until I'm healed. So I'm mad. I actually got one of my holes was like too big or too deep or something. And I got something in it and it abscessed Mm. and I was in the most, it was so painful. I like didn't really recover from my wizard. It took like two weeks for me to like not be in severe pain. Mm. Yeah. I was bad. Too and things are going okay. I was gonna so, say like, you should this, be feeling pretty good by now, right? This side's a little like tender, but it's also because I keep eating things that I shouldn't. Like <laughs> yeah. I keep eating stuff that causes me to like chew excessively, and I should just like calm the fuck down. Although I will say I lost seven pounds, even though like hey, weight loss was not nice. a goal. And like, ooh, but when you're living home. off of like soup and popsicles, yeah. when you're living <laughs> off soup and stuff, so I'm I'm that's nice. These positive are, side effects and wisdom teeth removal. <laughs> but oh, the COVID pounds! Mm. How they pack on mm. so easily. So much banana bread all I the know. time. So many wheat thins. Oh god. 